This is an overview of the Book of Job in English and Chichua, a language of Malawi, by Reverend Paul Bucknell and translated by Reverend Robert Gawinde. The purpose of Job is rightly understanding life's testing so that we will faithfully serve and trust God during difficult times. <laughs> It's great that we can come together and look at the scriptures tonight. One of the things, my favorite things to do, is to take a big book and examine a book of the Bible all at once. Tonight I like to look at a very intriguing book. It's a book that gives us answers to a lot of questions we have. That's the book of Job. 42 chapters. Chapter 42. It's a very, fairly long book. But when we begin to look at it, it nicely is divided into five sections. Remember the original paragraphs and verse sections were never there in the scriptures. That's true of the Old and New Testament. Chapters and verse marks were added far later on. So let me start tonight by asking you a question. Would you like to know about your future? Well, we know our future in heaven, right? Is that what you're talking about? Are you thinking about what's my future like on earth here? Some people go see a, a witch doctor and try to get some information. Is that good? people to live by faith. 
Leuven is to rightly understand life's testings. So that we will faithfully serve and trust God during difficult times. Let's come to the Lord in prayer. Almighty God, we come in the name of Jesus. Lord, we ask that you would open up our eyes. See the magnificent book and purpose of Job. Lord, you know what we're facing right now in our lives. You know what we'll face in the future. You know, Lord, how we have to comfort so many people going through difficult times. And many times, we don't have much to say. We don't know what to say. Oh, Lord, we ask that you would teach us more through this time. Equip us with the truth of God. That all the more we could comfort your sheep. Now open our eyes, O Lord. Find the evil one. And free us to understand your glorious ways. In Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Amen. How many sections of the book of Job?
I mean, if you're just watching 20, it'd be difficult, maybe. But he had many. What is a man made of? When we think of a person, we think of ourselves. Do people ask, what do you have? Do you think, oh, how much I have in the bank? Do you think what people think of you? This world looks at the outward. When God described Job, he really cared about his person. If we make our chief goal in getting things, or sometimes we can't get them, but our goal is still to get them, <laughs> and so we're characterized by wanting them, we're not a godly person at all. We're not living in the fear of God. We're discontent with what God has given us. Now, I'm not saying it's wrong to have a good business. But if I would cheat in my business to get more, that's obviously wrong. The world today looks the outside. And if people get wealthy, Many times they forget God. When they are poor, oh God, give me these things. When they get rich, maybe they go to church once in a while. Maybe they give a little bit to God. But what's that real person like? It shows he's hollow inside. It shows that he really serves his wealth, his reputation, not God. I tell you, many of us probably think, if God gave us lots of money, we would serve him much better. Well, it's from the testimony of many other people, wealth corrupts, it doesn't help. Job was different. He was different. Look at, notice what he did in verse 4. And describing Job and all his wealth, and verse 4 and 5, it describes what he does in relation to his sons. It talks about his sons and daughters every once in a while getting together for a feast. Now it talks about him having a concern for them. Wow, you know, when my sons and daughters get together, maybe they say something they shouldn't. And so as a father, he actually gets on his knees and pleads before God to forgive. 
but he gives us the significant enough picture so we can live through hard times. Because as you know, Job went through some hard times. He went through some catastrophic times. He had everything. And it lost. He had help. And he lost it. Let's look a little more clearly. And as we read it, let's make sure we pay attention. What kind of insight is God giving us into this unseen world? Because as much as you can understand this, you will be able to understand the wisdom God wants you to have. There's a lot of questions we have. Why does God allow evil into the world? Why do the good people suffer? Why don't wicked people suffer more? I remember one friend. He seemed a little upset that day. He says, well, if you do good things, God rewards you. He understands that. And when you do bad, you know, bad things happen. But sometimes it doesn't happen as quickly as we would think. If God made the time shorter, then what would happen? Then maybe we would understand more. The moment you showed love to somebody, instantly there was reward. Maybe your pockets filled with money. You would get the idea, I should love more. Or if you got upset with somebody, maybe your hair would fall out. All of a sudden, you know what you did was wrong. Real obvious. And so you just wouldn't do that anymore. God doesn't do it that way. There are consequences. There are rewards. But God prolongs them. And this allows us to live that life of faith. And this is why it's so important to teach the Word of God. Because we have to go by His instructions. Trust Him with what we're doing. And wait for that reward. So let's look at verse 6. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan also came among them. Verse 7, And the Lord said to Satan, From where do you come? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From roaming around on the earth and walking around it. Verse 8, 
The sons of God here describe the angels. God made, before he made man, a great host of spiritual beings. From the book of Isaiah and Ezekiel, we learn that there was one, the highest angel. Who rebels against God. And when he rebels, God cast him out of heaven. Along with a lot of other angels. That highest angel became Satan. His old name. Nice name was Lucifer. It meant light. But Satan means accuser. And we'll see that come to life here. <laughs> and so Satan's there. Along with the other angels. So just a little background so you understand. Now Satan also came among them, it says. And notice what God, the Lord, says to Satan. Have you considered, considered verse 8, Have you considered my servant Job? For there is no one like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, fearing God and turning away from evil. Now that's just like taking a brother like this right here. And the Lord says to Satan, Oh, look at this man. He is a upright man. He is a good man. Have you considered him? By considered means, Well, he goes on. 
Verse 9. Then Satan answered the Lord, Does Job fear God for nothing? Have, uh, verse 10. Have you not made a hedge about him and his house and all that he has on every side? You have blessed the works of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land. And we see great calamity around us. 
God's still in charge of all things. Remember what we referred to earlier today. Paul was in prison. But he was rejoicing. His joy didn't depend on his circumstances. But in how he was being faithful to God. As we read on here. Starting with verse 13. I don't think you'll be surprised at what we find. Disaster happens. Now we can read a couple of verses so you understand. 13, 14. Now it happened on that day when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house that a messenger came to Job and said the oxen were plowing and the donkeys feeding beside them. Verse 15. And the Sabaeans attacked and took them. They also slew the servants with the edge of the sword. I alone have escaped to tell you. Just think about it. Sometimes we have such an earth 
earthly perspective. But God made the spiritual window. So now we know why we're protected. And before we never even realized it. We thought it depended on how smart we were, maybe, or clever. No, 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 no. We should put our hands into God's hands. Our lives in God's hands. And certainly the, the most important part of this chapter is the last three verses here. Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head. He fell to the ground and worshipped. And he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, naked I returned. The Lord gave, the Lord taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And through all this, Job did not sin and blame God. Verse 22. What enabled Job to be such a man? To be able to face such tragedy in his family. And now I want you to remember here, God has only given us a glimpse into how he's dealing with a righteous man. He doesn't, not talking about non-Christians here. And he might not be talking about the backslidden Christian. He's talking about the righteous one, pursuing God. Those of people, God hears their prayers. But to be such a person, you need to learn the principle that Job knew. The Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Have you ever understood what you have is because God's given it to you? Whether it's a little or a lot. And he, as the maker, says, I'll choose how much I'll give you. <laughs> but the God also can take away. <laughs> he never promised to give us that all the time. He can take it away. <laughs> it's interesting, Paul, in the book of Philippians, he said, I learned the secret of living. I learned to go without and learn to live with abundance. Both of those stages of life have tests. If you don't have, you might get bitter. If you do have, you might get prideful. But the secret is to live contently with what God gave you. Now, Job did something special here. After he stated the truth, 
He took a step further and blessed God. He said, all goodness is in God. Yes, he had to bury his family. All his sheep, all his servants were gone. But when he was buried, his family, he knew God was good. He allowed God to make the decisions in his life. He made himself a servant of God. As we go on, we look at the next chapter. The same thing happens. The Lord has the angels there and Satan comes about. Verse 3, again the Lord says, Satan, have you considered Job, my servant? There's no one like him on earth. Still he holds fast to his integrity. Even though you incited me to go against me. Ah, but Satan's clever, you see. He says, skin for skin, yes, all that a man has, verse 4, has he will give for his life. Does goodness depend on how he treats you? 
Or is he essentially goodness and cannot change? Of course, that's true. And same with his love. God is love. Even if I don't feel that love and positive treatment to my body, God never stopped him from loving me. His love is still there. That's why I said this is a test of faith. Whether I really trust God even though I don't see him. Well, as we go on, we read that just Satan came and attacked Job. Verse 7 says it's from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. He was looking for every bare spot on Job to make him feel terrible. And Job had a broken piece of pottery with just scraping himself, itching himself. Even his wife said to him, why don't you just curse God and die? You know, finish it up. But look what Job said to his wife, verse 10. Shall we accept good from God and not adversity? Why do we serve God? Do we really believe those things that we say about God and His love and His goodness? More than likely, we will be tested in our lives. But remember, even though it says in the very last verse of chapter 2, that Job's pain was very great. God was still in control. There still was a hedge about him. I remember talking to a brother in India. He had started a lot of churches. But he said, hey, but let me tell you my story. I was dying. I had several diseases. The doctors gave up hope on me. But then one day God spoke and he healed me. And now I'm out serving him, uh, starting churches. God knows what he has for his servants. And what we find here is the God's perspective of his people. He's looking for trophies. He's looking for great men and women of God. He's looking at great children who are dedicated to God. He wants to show them off to the world. Now is God going to show off, look how many sheep he has. 
Lord, again, please forgive us where we fail. But take more of us, O Lord. Take all of us, Lord. Oh, that we could, like Job, be holy and dedicated to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now, as we looked at this, we'll find the second section and the fourth section of Job are parallel also. We look at the first and the second. The third section is chapter 3 to 37. And this helps us understand all those questions we have about God's justice. It's basically dialogues between Job and his four counselors. And they're sharing with Job what his problem is. Now they don't get to look into that window. <laughs> and if we're not careful, we'll forget about that window. Do you ever think that a person is suffering? Because he did wrong? What's true about that? Do you remember when people, I think in John 9, verses 1 and 2, I think it was a blind man. And the Pharisee said to Jesus, Who sinned, his parents or him? They made a fatal decision, a fatal assumption. They assume someone sinned, and that's why he's that way. Jesus' answer was totally opposite. It was so God could be glorified. What a difference in perspective. Would we be a good counselor or a bad counselor? I find a good counselor is one that understands God's design and working with men. He knows God's word. And knowing God's word would include looking, having a good picture of that spiritual world. Was Job a wicked person? No. I See, that's what tells us, right? So we know he's not. But his friends, when they came to him, in their mind, Bad things happen to bad people. <laughs> of course, look at how poor he is, or look how uh, unhealthy he is. He must have done something wrong. And so God's after him. <laughs> we sometimes make those conclusions. 
us, we will be reproved like God reproved these counselors. When people are suffering in your congregation, what do you say to them? You have to use your insight from these chapters to help you. I'm not, I don't have time, I'm not going to go into all these chapters. Otherwise you'll all fall asleep on me. <laughs> Some of you already are. <laughs> the ones that are sleeping are probably the ones that aren't smiling right now. They're sleeping. <laughs> but let me tell you why this is the most important part of the book of Job. <laughs> He's a good translator. I take my coat off and take this coat off. <laughs> the book of Job was inserted in the Holy Scriptures early on for this reason. That people would not think that someone who's suffering is always wicked. Why? Because one day, there would be someone that would suffer very much. He would have blood coming all around him. He would have people rejecting him. Spitting on him. Scourging him. Killing him. And that was Jesus. And God did not want anyone to make a mistake. To think that anyone who suffered was wicked. Because Jesus wasn't. He was righteous. Like Job. because he took our sins on him. But to make sure in that Eastern thought <laughs> that we would always allow exceptions to that principle. God will judge all wickedness. That's true. There's no doubt about it. If there's sin among us, God's going to judge us. But he doesn't always do it immediately. Sometimes he delays. He delays because there's a greater purpose. In the book of, I think, Second Peter, it says God suffers. He waits right now. He's not bringing judgment on the world yet. Why? Because he wants to save people. Judgment's coming. It's waiting at the door. Open the door. No, don't open it. It's that close. But he's holding it closed. 
John 3.36 that God's wrath is on all of us. Without Jesus there'd be no hope. We also learn in the book of Job that God does not always immediately reward goodness. He prolongs it at times, that reward. Now we can use Job as an example. In, in the very end, he will be rewarded. But Job, even though he was upright, God allowed, allowed tragedy into his life. Uh, so a greater good could come out of it all. Understand? God's not making mistakes. And it seems sometimes that evil one is in control. But that's when we're doubting God. That's when we don't understand God. It's very clear God is in control of this whole situation. And if you are in Christ Jesus, your life is just the same. Where are you? You're in Christ. Christ is your hedge. Satan can't do anything unless Christ permits it. But if God would allow suffering to come to Jesus, is it possible he'd also allow it to come to our lives? Yes. None of us like it. And if our goal is on an easy success, we're going to avoid God's will and fall into temptation. But if our goal is to present a heart that's dedicated to God, then we will come through those tests. And God will take that trophy. That trophy is going to be the brother. In all eternity, he's going to show everybody. Look at this brother, right? He was great. This is our chance. We have one life. Our circumstances, we might not change. But your heart, you can. Yes. Give him more. Let Christ fill your heart.
That's why each one of us has to master these truths. Let me quickly go on to the fourth section. This parallels the second one. It's Job 38 to chapter 42.9. We find in the previous chapter, Elihu, one of the counselors, was talking to Job. And then all of a sudden, God steps in. God starts speaking. It says here, then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? And God begins to release a powerful set of teachings and instructions on God's glorious ability to control things. Everything's under God's control. Even when the goats give birth to their baby girl. Yes. <laughs> it says that. I mean, it says that in here. <laughs> uh, you know, God's in charge of those things. The skies, the stars, I put them there, he says. When the electricity went out, I went outside to look at the stars. He says, I put them there. Yeah. <laughs> what, what can we do? It is incredible that God would even talk to us. Even though Job was a holy man, why would Job, why would God stoop down and talk to a man? It's incredible. But again, this is recorded for us. To remind us. Now Job was a very good man. But it seemed like, and he was a righteous man. But it seemed like he slipped into self-righteousness. Self-righteousness is a dangerous disease among saints. We try to do good. We try to love one another. And after a while, we look back. Hey, I'm doing pretty good. Watch out. That begins the slide. Because you're starting to look at how your righteousness from your own perspective. If you look at your righteousness from God's perspective, God would say, all have sinned and fall short of the mark. All of us have missed it. And we need Jesus. And at this point, God steps into Job's life rebukes and humbles Job 
And Job is completely humbled. At the end in chapter 42 here. Verses 1 through 6. It says, Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I've declared that which I did not understand, things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. After all, we're all one body. 
I've come to learn. I want the success of others. I want them to have more sheep. Better ministries. I'll encourage them. I'll pray for them. Our church will pray for them. It's much better than trying to take someone's sheep and thinking you're better. Sometimes we're so prideful. We just need to forgive. Bless. And see God's Spirit work everywhere. And sometimes we're like, oh Lord, let it rain. Oh Lord, let it rain. Just on my property. <laughs> That's kind of selfish, isn't it? No, let it rain everywhere. Let it rain everywhere. The last part of Job is very short, like the first part. And in verse 10 to 17, it just records how God doubly blesses Job. Again, he has a big family. He lived to be a full uh, 140, year, 140 years more. He was well known and richer than everybody again. Job was rewarded. Not all of us will be rewarded on earth. Jesus was rewarded after he gave his life. Paul suffered. He died for the faith. Peter suffered, died for his faith. The saints that Peter's writing to in 1 Peter. All had to leave their homes and they scattered out of Israel. Other people took their homes and property. What's most important? What you have or who you are. Certainly who you are. God made that window for us. So we could get a special insight into Job's life. But that Job is really like us, isn't it? And God's waiting for us to grow to a certain point that he can prune us. In John 15, 2, it says sometimes they cut the vine so it grow more fruit. No one likes to be cut. <laughs> but to grow more fruit, more success God's way 
So the book of Job, as we discussed it. Is showing us, yes, the righteous will always be rewarded. <laughs> But sometimes we'll go through stages on life on earth where it does not look like it. You might need to wait for eternity to find those blessings. God will surely bring them about. It has everything to do with our lives. God's looking for those great men and women. Oh, not great like in the world. Godly men and godly women. Wouldn't it be great? We all could be there. You could see all these trophies shining from Malawi. Oh, Lord, we thank you for calling us into your service. 
www.foundationsforfreedom.net